What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Um, have a busy show today and a show that will be heavily focused on recruiting early on. Uh, we'll talk about 15 minutes of recruiting and then we'll get into uh, some, some fall snapshot stuff here uh, with Boston U, Richmond, Brown, as well as uh, Yale. So, uh, splitting up the podcast here between kind of recruiting and looking at some of these teams uh, as they currently sit. Um, and starting off with recruiting, um, the reason why I'm recording this in the afternoon, I, I was going to record this last night, I uh, ended up having to change a lot of what I was going to talk about recruiting-wise because there's been so much movement in just the past couple of days. Um, literally, I had listed, and I still have listed on here, slow start overall, and it has been a slow start. The first week uh, of the cycle, we only saw uh, three players commit, and that was Ryan Dunkel, the uh, number one player, player inside lacrosse uh, out of St. John's in D.C., the attackman heading to Virginia. And then we also saw and that was on Sunday, we also saw Henry Weller commit to Virginia, uh, commit to uh, Michigan, also out of St. John's, D.C., the LSM. And those two guys committed on on Sunday. Now, Brevin Wilson committed on Monday, the attackman out of Cannon uh, School there in North Carolina, staying in state, uh, going uh, with the Tall Heels, where he will join his older brother, uh, Brayson Gilse, uh, Goose uh, Wilson, who is a uh, goalie in the 2023 class. So we hadn't seen that much. There's, you know, by Monday, about three, four guys had committed, uh, but that was it. As of right now, there are 13 total 2024 commitments that are public. Uh, I'm assuming that number will jump to possibly 20 uh, by the end of tonight by uh, the time that you're listening to this, they much could jump up there to 20. Uh, I want to talk specifically about what Cornell has done early on in this cycle. They have got three players committed since the 2024 uh, contact period opened up, uh, which was a week ago today, uh, September 1st of 2022. They, they've had three kids commit. Just over the past day and a half, uh, Rowan, uh, Rowan Nelly, the attackman at Sailor Asylum, New York, uh, Delaware, I did a uh, commitment breakdown on him, uh, the six foot, 185 pound ex attackman, uh, helped lead Sailor Asylum to consecutive Delaware state titles. Uh, really a, a textbook playmaker. He, from behind the cage. He's not the fastest out there when you're looking at uh, dodging and, and straight line speed, but he gets the job done. He, he, he can take contact. He knows how to take contact. Uh, really a big fan of his game, and he's heading to Cornell. was the first true 24 commit to Cornell. Of course, Billy Hughes, the midfielder out of St. Augustine Prep in New Jersey, uh, is taking a PGU, so he's also now in that 24 class. Uh, Michael Marshall, the defenseman out of Westfield in New Jersey, and Michael uh, Malcone, out the faceoff man out of Southside uh, in New York, also verbaling to the Big Red uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, Malcone just uh, verbaling this morning, actually, on 9-8, September 8th, 2022. Uh, both players rated as four stars per inside lacrosse and this is a right now Cornell they've got the most commitments in the class uh, they've got the most true 2024 commitments and so yes well outside of the academies obviously but um, Cornell doing a great job early on I like what they're getting I like the players they've got uh, as I mentioned big fan of Nelly the attackman they've got um, and then I, I, I don't know as much about the other two players, uh, but I, I've watched their film, uh, watched their highlights. 
since seeing the commitments, um, I, I'd heard Michael Marshall uh, and I'd seen his highlights throughout the summer. Uh, Michael Malcolm, not not as much. Uh, but overall, uh, highly rated players that they're getting, highly coveted, highly talented players that the Big Red are getting. Um, and I'm a big fan of what they've done. Now, uh, do you want to talk real quick about Brevin Wilson. I did not talk about him on Monday's episode uh, because we, we filmed that, uh, we recorded that, actually uh, paused the recording to, to write my commitment analysis there, um, but chose not to talk about it on there, uh, talk about it today. Brevin Wilson heading to North Carolina, as I mentioned, joining his uh, older brother, Brayson Goose Wilson, uh, who's a 2023 goalie commit. Um, I had Brevin. Uh, Wilson pegged as one of the best players in the South uh, in this class, five foot seven, 155 pounds. He's coming off a spring campaign in which he put up 100 points, 55 goals, 45 assists uh, for uh, Cannon School there in uh, the Tall Hill State, and he will be a Tall Hill. Um, he, he really uh, initially, Wilson uh, emerged as a freshman, and in the first couple of times I saw him, a really crafty off-ball playmaker who you know finds those right holes, finds those seams. Um, I, I, I kind of mentioned he always seems to be in the right place, one of those kinds of players. This past season throughout the spring and then seeing uh, what he did this summer, really uh, using his, his speed, his quick burst of speed ability, his post-step ability to be more of an initiator, be more of a dodger uh, from not only behind the cage, but – uh, on the wings as well, uh, really able to beat his defender, get his hands free, and make those plays, whether it be a shot or a pass. Always has his head up, uh, good vision, very versatile skill set, uh, can play really anywhere on the offensive end. Uh, big, big fan of what Wilson brings uh, to North Carolina, and he's rated uh, as a four-star by inside lacrosse and ranked as the number 48th player in the country by them as well. So a really big get for Carolina and Joe Bresci to start off the 2024 class. Uh, very, very excited about what he brings to uh, the Tall Heels and Tall Heel fans should be excited about that pickup. Uh, also want to talk a little bit about Penn State. Penn State had multiple players or multiple recruits, I should say, uh, on campus yesterday. Uh, Good chunk of them uh, on campus yesterday at practice. Uh, one of them being Hunter Aquino, uh, the midfielder out of the Academy of the New Church. He initially was a uh, verbal to Army West Point, and uh, along with his brother, um, and committed back in I think it was July uh, when he did so. Um, after, well, yes, it was July. Uh, after that contact period opened, I believe it was like late July, July 21st, I want to say, um, had a 113-point spring uh, for ANC this past uh, th- this past spring, helping the Lions to an eighth straight Friends League title. I- I'm a big fan of what he brings as a playmaker from up top. Um, I- I've not watched as much of the guys um, – outside of the South uh, this past spring. Uh, but I will say uh, that, that from what I have seen of those guys, and I have watched uh, Aquino, seen his highlight film multiple, multiple times, uh, seen, I believe, one or two of those games that were streamed this past season. Um, very, very talented midfielder that really is a two-handed playmaker, and while he is a righty and is going to lean to his dominant right side, um, just really getting downhill, being able to make an impact from up top as a dodger and an, and an initiator is what stands out most about him. Uh, he is currently ranked as the number 27 player in the class by inside lacrosse. Um, looks like we're going to have another strong recruiting class here from Jeff Tambroni and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, they had a strong 22 class, strong 21 class. Their 23s are good. Um, 
just uh, much more of the same here from Penn State as uh, they get their 24s going and, and get them going very get that class off the ground very strongly with Hunter Aquino, the uh, you know, flipping from uh, Army to Penn State. Well, I shouldn't say flip. He decommitted from Army on uh, September, publicly decommitted, I should say, on September uh, 6th, commits to Penn State on September 7th, uh, on or following his visit uh, there to State College. Yale. Yeah, we'll talk about Yale here in a minute in terms of their team. Uh, but the last thing I want to talk about here, uh, recruiting-wise, is Yale. Um, we'll talk about some of these other guys that uh, have committed. Harvard and uh, Maryland got their first commitment. John Draley, uh, midfielder out of St. John's in D.C. We'll talk about some of those guys. Uh, Georgetown getting started with, with two players. We'll talk about them a little bit uh, later. I'll, I'm going to do a show this weekend just on recruiting, but uh, do you want to talk about what Yale has done in this class thus far, uh, getting two commitments, and one in particular is uh, very, very intriguing, and that is Ben Friedman, the goalie out of uh, the Taft School, obviously behind Rick Odelli, hasn't gotten a ton of playing time there. Uh, at Taft, uh, but would assume him to be the heir apparent to that starting position this past season. Um, I can't remember which which outlet it was, but I know there's a quote from his club coach saying he's the best goalie to ever come through here. I, I apologize. I cannot remember where that was from, but I remember seeing that at one point, and uh, I think that speaks volumes to the kind of player he is uh, renowned as one of the best shot stoppers in the class. Uh, he committed to Yale uh, yesterday on September 7th. And, you know, again, hasn't played a ton uh, there at Taft, uh, sitting behind uh, Rick Udelli there. Uh, but a, a fantastic, fantastic goalie uh, on the club scene that uh, you look at his film, you look at his highlights, very, very athletic uh, for, uh, I shouldn't say for a goalie, but very athletic in cage, is able to make those uh, what I would call spectacular saves uh, where, you know, off the rebounds, those inside stops uh, that really, you know, Kyle Bonemore, 26, 2017-ish uh, type saves, you know, um, be able to do those kinds of things in cage and and Friedman uh, heading to Yale gives them uh, a, a really good head, a really good start on what should be another good class uh, for Andy Shea in the Bulldogs and, and getting uh, arguably the best if not uh, one of the best if not the best shot stopper uh, in the class and Ben Friedman and what he's shown is just phenomenal on the high school circuit um, on the club circuit. Uh, Nick Wehrmeyer, uh, the face-off man out of Malvern Prep in PA, also has verbaled to Yale as well. So uh, the Yale Bulldogs have two players in its 2024 class. As I mentioned, 13 total 2024 commitments thus far, which, it, you know, this has gone pretty slow um, at the moment. I, I know from... Uh, the intel I've gathered from multiple uh, recruitments, we're gonna see some. We're gonna see this cycle go a bit slower than maybe some others. It's it's gonna start heating up here. Certainly this weekend, I know there's a lot of programs uh, that will have players on campus for uh, football games. I can assume you know which programs uh, those are, and um, a lot of good talent. That'll be taking visits this week, the next, uh, and, and the following months. So uh, we'll see how things go from here. But it does seem from everyone I've talked to, the intel I've gathered, that uh, this is a cycle that these players, uh, it's not going to be, they're not, not going to make as quick of decisions uh, or maybe not be as many that make as quick of a decision as uh, in past cycles where you would have had 
20, 30, 50 players, uh, not 50, but, you know, 20, 30 players, a, a lot of players uh, last cycle had committed through that first week. 2022 was especially quick because trying to lock up those spots, um, you don't know when you're going to get out to visit. So, um, yeah, we'll see how things go here. And a lot of the early commitments, I think I mentioned this the other day, uh, were ones that were uh, not not surprising, right? Either the family connection, their brother went there, their brother was recruited by, uh, was a commitment in the class ahead, you know, uh, as in the case of Michigan and uh, Carolina, and their first picks, uh, you know, Virginia Dunkel being a his brother who plays football for Virginia. His dad went there. A lot of that kind of that kind of stuff where you have those connections where it's pretty obvious where they're gonna go. Uh, but now we're starting to see some more commitments come out and uh, thirteen thus far. But as I said, uh, by the time y'all listen to this, might be. Uh, might be up to 20, uh, might be past 20. So uh, keep your eyes out. Certainly a lot to uh, tackle, a lot to uh, watch as the weeks, days, months go by on this 2024 recruiting cycle. Uh, it is just now beginning as we sit here one week uh, into the contact period. Now, before we, we move into the uh, fall snapshot piece of this, uh, podcast. I do want to mention again, I will be having a recruiting podcast uh, this weekend, uh, either Saturday or Sunday. It, it will come out. I've gotten a lot of questions uh, pertaining to uh, particular players, um, my thoughts on on them, thoughts on uh, some of these early commitments. We will uh, go through that. Uh, not all the questions, but we'll go through uh, about five, six, seven questions on uh, sometime this weekend, Saturday, or Sunday when that will come out. Now, on to the fall snapshot piece of this podcast. Uh, If you all have listened in the past, if you read the website, you know I'm doing a fall snapshot uh, series where I'm going through and taking a look at early look, I should say, at all 75 Division I men's college lacrosse teams, giving a snapshot, if you will, of where each team is is as we march towards the 2023 season, obviously in fall ball, uh, beginnings of fall ball at the moment, just put up Bucknell uh, fall snapshot today, Lindenwood and Bryant, as well as uh, Brown also looked at this week. We will take a look at Brown on today's uh, episode, but also going to look at uh, Boston U, Richmond, and Yale, who I have uh, looked at in previous weeks. So uh, let's get going here with the Boston U Terriers, who uh, this one, uh, when did I put this one up? On August 30th is when the uh, fall snapshot Boston U Terriers went up on lacrossebucket.com. Doing, we're going to go five, ten minutes on each of these different teams uh, and, and Boston U, Richmond, Brown, and Yale is the order we're going to go in here. So uh, Boston U Terriers, I, I, you know, I don't know, like, the, the, there's not much that you can say about the season that hasn't already been said. Uh, the best season in the 10-year history of the program, you win the Patriot League, you go to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, a you know, 12-5 record. Your only losses are Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and Army. And only one of those teams, Army, didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, all four of those teams finished in the top 20. Princeton was in the top three. Yale was in the top 10. Um, I, they didn't, no, they, they they beat who they should have beaten. Um, they did beat Army again, uh, did beat Army in the second meeting there in the Patriot League title game. So, I mean, they beat everybody who I would say they were better than. Uh, for, for the most part. I think them and Army were pretty neck and neck. Uh, but everybody else that they played, I would say they beat everyone who they were better than. I don't think they were better than Yale. They weren't better than Princeton. I, you could make an argument they were better than Harvard. That was a close game. Um, 
I think if you play that game again, if you play that game five times, you probably get five different, five different um, outcomes there. I, th- I think those teams pretty uh, neck and neck uh, in, in in some respects as well. And Hollywood played a lot of good games last season, uh, competing with teams that probably were more talented, more experienced than they were. Uh, Boston U was one of those teams, especially experience wise. Um, one of the big things with Boston U, so. First and foremost, for 2023, um, they are going to be the favorite in the Patriot League again. I've said before, and I'll say it again, the Patriot League is pretty wide open this year outside of Boston U. Like, Boston U is the best team. I will pick them to win the Patriot League once again. Um, you have Vince DeAlto coming back, Timmy Lay coming back, Luis Perfetto coming back. That's your entire attack line. Jake Cates, the midfielder, is coming back, uh, who you know missed, uh, you know got injured in the Princeton game, missed the final what five six games with the ACL injury. Matt Hillbone stepped in in his absence and was very productive as well um, at the midfield spot. They're back. Connor Calderon uh, is back. He so he served as as a linchpin there at the faceoff dot. Really improved. That position was probably the most improved player, uh, was the most improved player in the Patriot League, certainly one of the most improved players in college lacrosse. Roy Meyer is an absolute menace at the LSM spot. He can also drop down and play uh, close D if needed. He did multiple times last season and has throughout his career. Dane De- uh, DeGola, Patrick Morrison, all both back at close D. Matt Garber back in cage. Look, this is a this is a great team. This is a fantastic team, and uh, th- there's only really two areas where where, where I see them uh, maybe needing improvement or questions is how deep can they go? I mentioned, uh, you know, they have a. I read off basically their entire top six on both ends, and it's phenomenal. It's one of the best. It's the best in the Patriot League. Um, you know, Patrick Morrison did miss four games last season, late in the season, uh, and didn't start. Uh, in the regular season finale against Army due to his injury. Roy Meyer moved in there uh, from LSM to close for Princeton, Loyola, and Lehigh in the Army game uh, to, 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 uh, to provide his play at close there. Um, and then Jake Cates, as I mentioned, went down with the injury. Matt Hillbone stepped in. Uh, that proved to me that, yes, this team has depth. That was my biggest question for this team coming into the season was, do they have depth? Um, and look, they, they returned their entire top six on both ends from a year ago. And I think that's going to be a phenomenal top six once again. I mean, you can't not believe that. If you don't believe that, uh, you need to be in a institution. Um, I, you know, this is a, this is a Boston U team that is going to be the best team in the Patriot League once again from a top six perspective. Uh, the depth, though, issue, it shows itself against those top teams. If they want to beat Yale, if they want to beat a Harvard, a Princeton, right, those teams that are better than them, that are deeper than them in many positions, they're going to have to show more depth there. And they showed it certainly, especially late last season. They showed it. Um, I, I just see I, – I just question, are we going to see this, this depth continue? And is the depth and production they can get from those guys uh, going to be on a consistent basis? And look, if they want to want to up their national standing next season, they're going to need that. The second question I have for this team is the turnover situation. Um, they were the 23rd best scoring offense in college across, averaged 13.29 goals per game, one of the best attack units in the, in the game, 27th best shooting percentage, uh, team shooting percentage, 30%, and they were a top team in assists per game, 8.18 assists per game last season. However, they were 65th in Division One in turnovers, uh, averaging 18.76 turnovers a game. They ended the season with the most total turnovers in Division One, 319. For reference, they only had 46 more points than turnovers. Uh, 145 of those turnovers came from the top six scores. Well, the turnover issue 
ended up not impacting the Tailios too much last season. They still had a lot of success. Uh, but you saw it against Princeton. You saw it against some of these better teams. Again, if they want to take that next step, they want to up their national standing, we're going to have to see the turnover situation improve there at Boston U. And that's really all I got for this team is, look, can, can you be deep? Can, can you be more, provide more depth, more quality depth on a consistent basis? And can you clean up the turnover issue? Everything else, this is a pretty dang good team. Uh, the ride is great. They've got a great goalie. They've got a great attack unit. They've got a great faceoff man. They've got uh, a, a good size uh, from a size standpoint and a talent standpoint, good defense. Uh, though D-mid situation, I think, needs to improve. But, I mean, that's really the only issue I have with the defense. And you saw that D-mid, uh, that D-mid unit get kind of – eaten up against Princeton. Um, but outside of that, I, th- there's not really many areas where this team, you look at it and say that's a glaring issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, so again, this is going to be a good team, going to be, be the best team in the Patriot League uh, once again in 2023. Moving on to the Richmond Spiders. This is a team that uh, is moving into a new conference this season after uh, winning the SOCON uh, they've been one of the more consistent – they've been the blueprint to follow for new programs, uh, much like Boston U has, right? Uh, this is a team that's routinely uh, one of the best mid-majors, routinely a top-20 squad, uh, ended the season with an 11-10 overtime loss against Penn in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, this is a team that coming into 23, though, loses a lot of pieces. Ryan Lanchberry is gone. Ryan Dunn is gone. That's two year top attackmen. Luke Frankeny is gone. The grad transfer out of Mount St. Mary's was phenomenal at the midfield last season. Griffin College, after a stellar freshman season, has transferred to Virginia. Ray Barron, who Richard beat, by the way, last season. Phenomenal win for the, for the Spiders. Ray Barron, another top defenseman, has uh, uh, graduated, has exhausted his eligibility. Who's returning for this team that, 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 that really piques your interest, that's really a key guy? Dalton Young, attack. Lance Madonna, the, one of the top midfielders. Jared Chenoy, one of the best freshman face-off men in the country last season. Jake Saunders at close D. He's going to be your top pole. Zach Magoo, uh, the goalie uh, a freshman last season, was phenomenal uh, in cage uh, for the Spiders. And, uh, you know, Derek Madonna comes in to the midfield uh, as a transfer from Hobart. Trent Granger, the faceoff man out of St. Bonaventure, comes in. And Brendan Smith, the midfielder out of Randolph-Macon uh, Division II uh, program, comes in as a transfer as well. Uh, kind of the questions for this team heading into the season, I, I think number one is another, and this is how I label it here, another year, another elite defense. Um, you know, this is a team that has been, uh, you know, prided itself on its defenses. They were the eighth best scoring defense in college cross last season, allowing 10.6 goals per game. The 2018 season is the only one in which Richmond has allowed more than 10 goals per game in its nine seasons of play. Uh, there have been three seasons, 2021, 2017, 2016, in which the Spiders have held their opponents under 10 goals per game on average. This is a defense that is going to look different in 2023. A lot of new faces, uh, Jack Saunders and Zach Magoo, both return there. Uh, Magoo coming off of his redshirt freshman campaign uh, that, that was phenomenal, taking over in mid-March, end of the year, 128 saves, 55.8% save percentage. Jack Saunders back for the fifth season. He's the only fifth-year returner for this team. 33 ground balls, 23 cost turnovers is going to be uh, the, the man, the uh, number one pole for this team here in 2023. Um, uh, of course, I mentioned college is gone, Baron is gone. That's your other two uh, top. That's your other two top poles from last season. On top of that, Shane Grant, your top defensive midfielder, is gone. Uh, look, Richmond has turned over defenses before. They've re- uh, they have replaced guys before they've done it very well. Uh, the, the question being, 
can they do it again for what a fifth or sixth time in their history? I mean, they, they've continuously done this. I think they can do it again. I believe they can do it again. History has shown they can do it again. So uh, we will sit back and watch and see what that Richmond defense is going to look like. Uh, the second question, uh, really big question for this team is, like, how productive is this offense going to be? Um, you lose Ryan Lanchberry and Ryan Dunn and Luke Franklin. The three combined for 172 points last season, 99 goals, helped lead the way for an offense that averaged 14 goals per game, went ninth in team shooting percentage, 32.3%. Having no Lanchberry, nor Dunn, nor Franklin, leaves some pretty big holes in the Spiders' offense. Um, however, uh, I want to mention the cupboard is far from better. This is a program that's recruited very well. This is a program that, much like I said with the uh, defense, has replaced very well on offense as well. Dalton Young returns a 39-goal, 23-assist uh, campaign last season. Saw him close out the team the year as the team's second-leading scorer. Lance Madonna comes in as a redshirt sophomore. Um, I mean, Lance Madonna comes in for a junior season. Redshirt sophomore Cooper Danton uh, is another top returning midfielder there. Wasn't too too productive last season with this offense. I'm, I am I am more intrigued with the uh, with what Derek Madonna is going to bring. Uh, the transfer from Hobart. He was uh, has been an elite shooter, one of the best shooters in college across thirty three goals, six assists for Hobart last season. I think this is an offense that they have a lot of key pieces. Uh, that are gone, but they also return uh, a decent amount of guys there uh, when you look at especially uh, Dalton Lung and Lance Madonna and then getting in a guy like Derek Madonna, the brother of Lance, by the way. uh, I think that only adds to uh, and does increase my enthusiasm, my confidence in the fact that this offense can continue to be what they've done. Uh, Max Merklinger is a guy on that end. I'm, I'm intrigued by freshman in 2022. Uh, we'll see what he does. He was a reserve for 14 games last season, had eight goals. Uh, that included a two-goal performance against Georgetown. Um, you know, that, that's w- one of many players that, that I'm kind of looking at as, okay, they're going to step in here. What are they going to do there? Um, I do want to mention some of the freshmen they bring in because this is a really, really good freshman class. Aiden O'Neill, the attackman out of Tabor Academy in Massachusetts. Um, and then you have Jackson uh, Carawan, the attackman out of St. Francis de Sales in Ohio. And then a in-state guy, LSM, Aiden Fairchild. Uh, big, big fan of his. All three of those guys are four-star prospects by inside cross. O'Neill has been lighting it up. He was a former Utah commit, flipped to Richmond, has been lighting it up in, in uh, with Taylor Academy, along with his brother, whose first name is uh, blanking right now. Aiden Fairchild, the best player, uh, for my money, uh, playing in the state of Virginia uh, these uh, past couple of years at, at the LSM position. And for Richmond to get a guy like him in state is phenomenal. Uh, and, and so we'll see what those guys do there with Richmond. Uh, but being in the A-10 now, it's going to be tougher. It's going to be a... Uh, tougher week-to-week slate. I think we still got to look at this program as one of the best mid-majors, and uh, they're still going to be pretty dang good. Moving to a team that uh, I think might be, uh, I don't know, the jury's still out. I want to see what they do in the fall. Um, Brown, 10-6 last year, 4-2 in the Ivy League. Uh the Ivy League reigned supreme in 2021, and uh, probably the most intriguing or the best story was the Brown Bears. Uh, go 1-1 one one to start play, start the season, uh, go 0-2 oh to start Ivy League play. Uh, you know, they had that four consecutive win streak prior to, to Ivy League play. They have five game, a five-game winning streak to end the regular season. Um, that included a 2013 win over Yale and a 13-8 win over Cornell. They host the Ivy League tournament. Uh, they were very inconsistent last season. Um, you know, I – and they, they – but, but they were good. Like, when they were good, they were really good. When they were not so good, they were eh, – no. 
it they dropped off and and they would drop off and and they would explode and drop off within a game <laughs> like especially early on in the season it was very weird uh how inconsistent this team was but when they were good they were pretty dang good um Ryan Ogden Darian Cook both gone on offense you lose your entire close defense Andrew Kepler Luke Gatos Silas Newsom and Adrian Inchill at LSM what is that going to look like um and that's my biggest question for this team is on defense. Connor Thelio, the people's freaking goalie, is back. He is back. Gibson Linehan comes in, the LSM transfer from Providence. I've got a lot of uh, confidence that he can come in and step in and uh, be a good addition there. Uh, but you lose, you lose a, a, a defense that was the 33rd, uh, lose as much guys as you do from that defense allowed 11.5 goals per game last season as the 33rd best defense in Division One. held four of their opponents, Studybook, Cornell, Bryant, and Dartmouth, to single digits. Um, they were reliable. Gepper, Gatos, and Newsom were, were, were reliable. They dealt with injuries last season, which forced some uh, guys to come in that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Uh, Colin Hart was a uh, solid backup LSM. Trevor Yeboah, Cody TYK was a big impact of the defensive midfield and also a big transition player uh, who also got some time on the offensive end. I want to see how he improves here in 2023. And then Connor Thelio, we mentioned the people's freaking goalie, 53.7% save percentage, 203 saves on the year. Thelio uh, and Cage, TYK at D-mid, and Hart at the LSM position, as well as you know, we'll see what Linehan does. Uh, but, but but I've got a, a good feeling that he can uh, come in and be a big piece of that defense, whether it be as a uh, you know, top LSM or a reserve. Uh, they got some good pieces back. Um, but, you know, and also I should mention Andy Demopoulos. We'll see what he does. Floated with the portal. Uh, the highly ranked goalie uh, coming out of high school, he floated with the portal uh, after a freshman season where he didn't play. Uh, but uh, we'll see what he does here. I, you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys that uh, you know m- mentioned the injuries. Um, Hart started one game at close um, as, as a junior. As, as did Xander uh, Valentia. He started the Penn game as a sophomore. Mark Witt and Oscar Hotz each saw action as reserves last season. Uh, Hotz had his season. Uh, cut short due to injury. So th- there's a lot of a lot of a lot of quality polls, a lot of polls who've gotten experience there. Um, f- for me, it's just going to be what do you know? What's the impact of those guys? How can they step in? And, and exactly how good can this defense be? Because it was a pretty good defense last season when playing at peak capacity, and uh, that even they fought through injuries and, and looked good through that. So uh, we'll see what this team does defensively in 2020. Three. Um, another piece here, offensively, um, Darian Cook, Brian Antonelli are both gone. Ryan Ogden is gone. Um, and Nolan Rockefeller is also gone. Those two at the midfield. Reed Moschetti, uh, Moschetti uh, is also gone. He was the top reserve midfield. And this is going to be very interesting to see who fills in here because outside of Devin McLean, not many big-time playmakers that, that, that come back, right? Uh, Griffin King was a second-line midfielder last season. Trevor, uh, Trevor Glavin started each of the final six games at attack. Uh, I think he can step in and produce quality uh, production, see quality minutes this season. Midfielder Jack Kelly, which, uh, uh, you know, you got a player at Brown named Jack Kelly. I think you want to guard him no matter where he's playing. Uh, we all know Jack Kelly, the goalie played there. Um, he had a Jack Kelly, the midfielder now there. Uh, not the same guy, FYI. Uh, impressed as a reserve. Solid contributor down the stretch. You also get Matteo Corsi and Aiden McLean. Two uh, younger transfers on that end as well. So, this is going to be very interesting. Dev McLean is going to be the the, the top returner and, and the lone 
he's the one full-time starter uh, back on offense this season. So he's going to be the guy that's going to that's going to be there, going to be the headliner once again after a breakout season last year. Uh, I just don't know what the heck's going to happen, what things are going to look like with those other guys. I mentioned Trevor Gladden, a player I'm high on, uh, and, and they also have got some got some guys there. Uh, freshman coming in that uh, could be uh, could be uh, impact players. Could see time. Charlie Cave and PJ Dahan uh, both at the midfield spot. So uh, offensively, this is a team that was pretty dang good last season. Uh, we'll see what they look like here in 2023 on the offensive end. And I think overall for Brown, just a team that. Uh, you know, a lot of questions around, and, and, and after being so inconsistent last year and losing so much, uh, should be a lot of questions around what this team is going to be. Uh, keeping it in the Ivy League, and the last team we're going to mention here today is the Yale Bulldogs. Uh, this is a Yale squad that, I mean, I think I mean, we kind of watched this team grow up before our eyes last season <clears throat> as they, they came in surrounded by newness, young talent, Freaking everywhere, right? Uh, I mean, besides Tevlin, Fake, and Matt Brandau, who's back, Tevlin is gone, Fake is gone, uh, the two-way midfielder and defenseman. Uh, but Matt Brandau, Leo Johnson, Chris Lyons, Brad Sharp, uh, three of the, the latter three of those guys, all freshmen. Uh, Thomas Bragg it is now a senior. Bryce DeMuth, Jared Paulquette, uh, a young guy as well in cage. DeMuth, uh, Bragg, and Brandau, the only players that I would mention as key returners that came into last season with any bit of experience uh, for this team. Now, the, the biggest question for you, I, I, I'm not even going to talk about this offense. This offense, I'll say this, this offense is great. I mean, this offense was great last season. They're going to be good again. They return practically everybody on that end. Leo Johnson, Chris Lyons, Thomas Bragg, Patrick Hackler, Matt Brandau, uh should have been a toilet, could have argued he's a Tarleton finalist. I think he'll be a Tarleton finalist this season. I, I don't have any any issue with what this defense did, uh, offense did last season. We saw them progress and get better and get more diverse throughout the season in terms of the production. This is I, my only question: is how much better can they get? Like, because this is a team I think. Offensively, they were a top five offense last season. They can get even better. They they, they very well can. Um, Fourteen point eight goals per game. That's the sixth best scoring offense in D one. They're gonna get better. They will get better. Do not worry about what this offense is gonna be, Yale fans. Defense though, that defense was, and you heard it all throughout the end of the season. They're sliding, the defense is sliding, the offense is going up, and the defense is sliding backwards. And that was very true. Uh, Starting to slide late in the season, they allowed 14.8 goals per game in its final eight games of the year. Uh, They allowed 13.24 goals per game uh, on average throughout the season. 54th ranked scoring defense in college across, 7th in the Ivy League. This this is a uh, and for reference, the first eight games of the season, they allowed twelve point five goals per game. So they didn't slide back like it wasn't like you know not you were averaging under ten to then averaging you know allowing fourteen, not massively, but twelve to fourteen is still pretty big, and and you do not want to see that. Um, Chris Fake. Brian Devlin, the two best players on this defense outside of Jared Paulquette. God bless Jared Paulquette because he uh, – you don't have him in this defense last season in cage. I don't I, – I don't know exactly what – how things would have good been, how bad things would have gotten. Um, you know, Fake and Tevlin were some of the veterans there last season on a very young team, as I already mentioned. Um Michael Alexander, I think, is a guy defensively. Uh, certainly, Joe Paulquette is the highlight of this defense, the headliner of this defense. You have confidence in him. Michael Alexander, if you watched his performance with Team USA, uh, the U21 team in Ireland, 
I'm very, very, very intrigued into what he can do and how much better he can be. And if he can be the top pole in 2023, 14 ground balls, seven cross turnovers in 22 for a defense that backslid as the season went on. Michael Alexander is the one player I'm watching here, as well as Jake Cohen. Um, he, the LSM, saw uh, no limited times there, um, limited time at the LSM spot as a reserve. Jack Stusen was the top LSM. Um, so, you know, Jake Cohen, I think, is, is going to be intriguing, an intriguing player to watch grow. Michael Alexander as well. Um, Bryce DeMuth is back as a senior as well there uh, with Michael Alexander. That's Those your top two close defensemen coming back. Susan Cohen, your top two LSMs. So really what you're looking at personnel-wise, who that third close defenseman is going to be and what, uh, what your rope unit is going to look like uh, in terms of uh, there being no Brian Tevlin, who was uh, you know, not a true defensive midfielder, a two-way midfielder, uh, was probably the best true two-way midfielder in the Ivy League in college cross. Uh, in general, last season. So uh, big, big questions about this defense uh, personnel-wise. And then overall, just how good are they going to be? How much can they improve after a season where they backslid? Very much so last season. Um, The other big question or area of question uh, with Yale coming into 23 is the face-off dot. Look, they, they, they weren't a team that struggled at the dot last season. Went 54.3%. Went 17th nationally in, in team face-off win percentage uh, at season's end. They weren't bad. They, they, they weren't bad. They weren't uh, particularly good, though, either. They, they, they were very um, kind of average, right? Uh, Machado Rodriguez and Nicholas Ramsey split time in the opener against Villanova. Ramsey emerged as the sole top option for the Bulldogs, going 223 for 415, 53.7% on the year. Ramsey and this unit had their ups and downs, um, especially against better teams. He went 40% against Denver and Alex Stathakis, 36% against Princeton, and 46% against Penn. Uh, there in the Ivy League title game uh, and in the first round of the NCAA tournament. He had his worst day ever against Zach Cole, going 30%. Uh, James Ball came in to help settle things and really helped Yale win this game. Uh, 8 for 13 for James Ball, 61% at the dot against Zach Cole uh, to help lead the Bulldogs to victory. Uh, Ramsey would have his best game of the season, uh, a week later against Princeton, 59% uh, in that loss there in the Ivy, in the uh, the NCAA quarterfinals. Um, like th- this was a unit that was uh, above average, being 50%. If, if 50% is average, they were above average. Uh, they were about an average, uh, you know, ranking uh, team last season where you want to be above 50%. But uh, th- there's still things they need to improve on. Still need to get more consistent at that spot, um, and, and we'll see how things go there. Uh, you know, James Ball worked really good against St. Joseph's, uh, didn't play, you know, a, a lot, a lot last season. Ramsey was the main guy. Uh, Machado Rodriguez splitting time with Ramsey early in the season. So uh, we'll see, uh, as I say in the article, does the face-off situation crystallize? And uh, uh, if it does crystallize, I would, I, I would assume – that is around uh, one uh, Nicholas Ramsey. Uh, in terms of the Yale freshman class, a 10-man group coming in, 15th best recruiting class according to Inside Lacrosse. Uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey midfielder Lucas Osborne, a five-star per IL, headlines this impressive class. Uh, I, I think in total you're probably going to see uh, some more freshmen uh, step on campus and uh, – Make some good impacts there, uh, offensively, defensively, uh, 
for the Bulldogs on, on both ends of the field uh, for the Bulldogs and Andy Shea this season. A lot of players that I am uh, very fond of have a high hopes for, high approval rating of, you could say, Patrick uh, Passano, the defenseman at Cold Spring Harbor, Hugh Conrad, the goalie out of De La Salle uh, in California, Brady Coleman, a Casanova native, uh, another midfielder, a good midfielder coming in there as well. Christian Bockelman, uh, attackman there from Lumsden, uh, Fair uh, Haven in New Jersey, going from Haven to New Haven. Uh, Yale, recruiting very well, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, and uh, kind of closing with Yale and their recruiting efforts as well. Uh, and we'll see how those guys, these freshmen, do uh, on campus this fall and uh, into the spring for what should be uh, another pretty successful season for Andy Shea and the Yale uh, Bulldogs. Very much a, a team that if they can clean up things defensively and uh, some other areas has championship weekend potential, certainly has championship weekend potential uh, based on its offense. Hi, folks. That is it for today's show. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can uh, listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, multiple other platforms. Really, wherever you get your podcast, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. And again, uh, stay stay tuned. Keep your eyes out this weekend. We'll have a recruiting-only uh, show sometime Saturday or Sunday. Until then, uh, enjoy the college football. Uh, and, and, and as we march towards fall ball and towards – I know we've got a lot of fall scrimmages coming up in October. As we march towards that moment and march towards the spring or cross season.